welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. I am Mike. And I am Allison. Yeah, I like your, you're getting a little bit more gusto every episode. Woo! Yeah, you feel some gusto? Feel it. Good, you look gustivous. Feel it in my fingers. I feel it in my toes. That's from what? A movie? Love Hol- Actually. Love Actually. It's a, it's a holiday hit here, the, uh, the Mike and Allison household. Yes, it is. Allison and Mike, as you were. Um, but yeah, hey, thanks for listening. Um, we just set up a Patreon. Did you know that? Yeah. I did know that. You told me. Yeah, a couple people asked, hey, do you guys have a Patreon? So it's set up. Go look at the show notes and uh, check us out. And um, I think we have like three levels, five bucks, 10 bucks, 25. Depends how much money you got. And uh, you really get nothing in bonus besides just knowing that you're helping us out to pay for our uh, regular fees. Eventually, we would like to get there. Yeah. Yeah, we just don't want to uh, promise something and not deliver it. So yeah. um, if you really love us, then we'd appreciate whatever you can throw our way to help uh, host this podcast and stuff. But yep. um, also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Crime and Coffee number two, Crime and Coffee two. And um, I think that's about all the things I can bring up, right? Yeah, I think we're good. Okay. We covered the housekeeping bits. Yeah, housekeeping bits. So hey, thanks. And we're growing. Keep on growing. So hey, you people like stuff. Um, hopefully we're bringing some uh, interesting stories. You're learning some things and yeah, maybe helping people also along the way. Hopefully. Yeah, that's the idea. So this week, um, I'm going. Um, so And I'm relaxed. Yeah, we take turns. Do you get like stressed the weeks that you have to go? No, not really. I do like right before the show starts. I'm like, okay, oh, I better have my stuff together. I usually feel pretty prepared. I'm only stressed if I feel like I'm not confident. Yeah. But seeing as I'm a psychopath, I prepare and over-prepare. And, and you yell at me to make sure that I'm prepared. I'm um, not yelling, more so nagging, I would nagging. say. Nagging. Yeah, be like, Mike, Um, you're, are, we only have three more days until we're recording. Well, because I know we're recording and I don't see a laptop on your lap. The, when's the last time I let you down? On this show. You haven't. Okay, not yet. And I probably will at some point. Let's be uh, honest. That's not going to go over well. No, don't, it won't. don't do it. I'm warning you. <laughs> but um, so far, so good. So, I mean, <laughs> if this you one. You know what's good for you. I noticed you almost didn't say anything yesterday. I don't think you I even did. I did not say anything okay, yesterday. Okay, but this more, today you did, though. No, I didn't. I said, so we're, we're going on a. Yeah. Okay. That was a confirmation. Okay, okay. So, and the reason why we're confirming is because we're doing this on a day that is not typical for us. Right. We're Sunday morning recorders, but sometimes, you know. Depending on things coming up. Our schedule might be out of whack. And yeah, we want to, if we say we're going to come out with something every Sunday, we're going to say we're yes. going to do it. Now, that's good that you're in charge of that, because if it was me, it'd yes. be like, well, maybe Tuesday we could do something, or Monday. And so. like, no, we're doing it Sunday. Yeah, you're like a drill sergeant. I am. Yeah, well, you need one of us. Kind of, we fill each other's um, gaps, basically. That's for sure. You know, like, you've got gaps here, I've got those. And you're the yin to my yang. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and we're on YouTube also. Um, I think we got a new camera. It worked pretty good last week. Um, I noticed there was a timestamp in the upper left-hand corner the entire time. So okay. I think I shut it off this time. If not, maybe, maybe next week, right? Hey, you know, we're learning as we go. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? So um, uh, as long as we deliver the right stories with the right details, that's all that matters. Exactly. Yeah. How, how's your week looking? Uh, you know, typical working. Oh, all that jazz. You're working. All that jazz. Yeah, I do. I didn't notice that. Yeah. What sure. about you? Um, I'm just really excited. I'm almost done with my Netflix show, uh, Friday Night Lights. It's a little like high school football show. I'm just obsessed with it. Like whenever you go to sleep at night, I turn it on Netflix and don't go to sleep till like 1130 midnight. So so at like 630, Mike's like, Allison, you ready for bed yet? <laughs> I'm like, Mike, it's 630. No, babe, I'll, uh, I'll light you a candle. I'll get your like lotions ready. <laughs> I got your pillows fluffed. You're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, I'm almost done. Got last season, season five. So I've been trucking through it. Sweet. Yeah, it's been pretty good. I've been reading a lot. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. We got two new lounge chairs for our pool area. Oh, and you love that. Me and Reese call it our island oasis. And I've just it's kind of kind of guided me into reading more. I'm, I've always been a reader, but more so I read at night to go to sleep. Would you say like and a book a week? 
Uh, now, at this point in time, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Kind of reading us out of house and home. Those books are get expensive. I know, but I Kindles, love them. If I see like a fifteen ninety nine, I'm like, what the hell? Like, I Sometimes definitely... Sometimes I just can't resist. Well, I think authors deserve the money, but the thing is, like, is a, this digital book, like, you know, I'm used to paying for a hardcover, fifteen yeah. ninety nine or something, but a digital version that's like, you know, doesn't take any printing, like, at least give me a discount. Well, know? what's weird to me is that the uh, soft cover book will be more ex- or less expensive than the Kindle. I'm like, how is that possible? possible that, that to is, bind it print it and ship it you're going to charge less than an electronic version like it just doesn't make sense to me right like a worse carbon footprint and everything yeah and, maybe i'm missing something but no, you're not amazon's not missing anything because they're making all the money on it yeah so anyway but i'm enjoying the hell out of it good i'm glad yeah hey that's all my my number one thing in life is to make you happy well thanks mike and i mean it happens like 70 percent of the time so that you make me happy yeah so yes. that's a pretty good, pretty good hit. I mean, if I was hitting seventy percent in the major league baseball, that'd be pretty good average. Mm-hmm. So seven fifty. I mean, that's that's not bad. Not bad. Um, so you ready to get into the story this week? I'm ready. Okay. Well, um, this week is the story of the Fort Worth missing trio. Oh, I don't think I've heard this. Okay. So I've I, I tend to look at to more like mysteries and kind of things um, because I don't like getting into the deep dark things like you do sometimes. But um, I'll listen to you all day long, sweetheart. I promise I will. So this one took place in um, in Fort Worth. Like you mentioned. Imagine yes, that. Imagine that. Yeah, imagine I that. I thought you were going to say New Jersey. No, no. I wanted to throw a curveball. <laughs> so it is definitely Fort Worth. On the morning of December 23rd, 1974. Oh, right around Christmas. Yep. A couple days before Christmas. Lisa Renee Wilson, 14 years old. Uh, Julie Ann Mosley, 9 years old. And Mary Rachel Trelisa. I'm going to need your help with this last name, Trelisa. Trelisa? It's spelled T-R-L-I-C-A. Okay, Trelisa. But it's Trelisa. So uh, she's age 17. Okay. They travel to the Seminary South Shopping Center in Fort Worth, Texas. Get some uh, Christmas shopping done. Last minute. Um, something you would never do because can, you'd be done by oh, now. Oh, I'd be done by close to Thanksgiving. Yep. Um, can you tell me their ages again? Sure. So the oldest is 17. Uh, her name's uh, Mary Rachel Trelisa. The next in line is Lisa Renee Wilson at 14. Okay. And Julianne Mosley is nine. Okay, nine. So big age differences. And how are they related? I'll tell you in a second. Okay. Yeah, Here if I you go just, with my question. Yeah, I mean, if you could let me tell the story, I think that'd be good. Zip it. Yeah, zippy. It's zipped. Z- zip-a-doo. Um, okay, so they go Christmas shopping. Uh, Lisa and Mary both go by their middle names oh, to make it a little more extra confusing. Extra confusing. Yeah, so there's there's names in here, but I'll, I'll remind you. So um, it's Renee um julie and rachel renee julie and rachel of course yep. today is the day i forego my it's okay. pad of paper you're gonna be good the one i mean really you, i talk about all of them the same okay. so it's fine um renee and rachel were friends and julie was the sister of renee's boyfriend terry mosley okay so that's why she was tagging along yep they're tagging along that was the nice tagging along. Yep. to bring the little one yeah so rachel and renee had initially planned to go shopping with terry you know, Renee's boyfriend. Sure. But he'd made plans to visit a friend in the hospital. So Julie wanted to go along with them, but was told that she needed permission from her mother, Rayanne. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she was able to get her permission after complaining, be like, Mom, please, I just want to go. Please, please, please. And, you know, about having no one to play with at home. Just like, I have no one to play with. Can I please go with the girls? Well, and then it's fun to go with the older girls. Absolutely. You feel, you feel cool. cool. Right. Exactly. So she was told, um, yeah, you can go, but you got to be home by 6 p.m. All right. Now, that wasn't a problem at all because Renee was supposed to go to a Christmas party that night with Terry, and she wanted to be home by 4 o'clock because uh, they're supposed to be there, I think, by 6. And she wanted to get ready, yeah. primp herself up. Yep, so plenty of time. And I'm sure the mom trusted the girlfriend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm sure that wasn't the concern. Nope. 
Um, so they got out around noon. They were going going to shopping around noon. The girls got in the car, went to the Army-Navy surplus store to get some jeans that Renee had on layaway. So after they drove to the shopping center, they uh, parked Rachel's 1974 Oldsmobile 98 in the upper parking level near the Sears outlet. Oh, so it was a new car. Yes. Yeah. Relatively speaking, absolutely. Well, didn't oh, it, it take, was. Yeah, 74. Yeah, yep. place in 74. And it was called an Oldsmobile 98, so maybe it was like super futuristic. Huh. Yeah, wow. Yeah. It wasn't super futuristic. But um, witnesses would later inform police they'd seen the girls inside the mall throughout the afternoon, and it's their belief they returned to the car at some point to drop off whatever they had purchased. What happened after is where the mystery begins. Oh, boy. So buckle up. So that night, the girls did not return home. Obviously, their family started to worry about them. Of course. And they drove right over to the shopping center where they thought they were shopping to search for them. Um, Terry was charged with staying by the phone at home just in case they called or they turned up or whatever it was. Right, right. In case somebody called about where they were. Uh, Rachel's Oldsmobile was discovered in the parking lot at about 6 p.m. It was locked and there was one present in the backseat floorboard. And it was at the mall. Yep. So there was no sign of the girls or signs of a struggle or anything like that in the vehicle at all. So the families waited at the mall all night and kind of staked it out, like kind of far away, just to see if anybody would come back for the car or whatever it might be. Just kind of they think something's crazy, like something's weird here. Now, are police getting involved at this point? Not yet. Security at the at the mall? Yeah, I'll tell you in a second. Okay. Um, I was supposed to zip it and I didn't. No, no, you're good. Keep on asking. I'm, you're asking what everybody's wondering. So, so come at me, bro. All right. So um, they're kind of staking it out, wanted to see maybe the girls are sneaking back or whatever hijinks are happening here. So uh, Renee's mother, Judy Wilson, had them page at every single store. So she went in, paged them at every single store, nothing didn't turn up. And uh, they called the local hospitals and the police, while Rusty Arnold and his mother went from store to store looking for them. Uh, Rachel Wilson, Richard Wilson, and a neighbor climbed into the roof of a nearby building with a shotgun and stood watch over the Oldsmobile. Okay, so they have a bird's eye view of the car. Yep. And ready to shoot somebody. With a shotgun. Well, they figured that the girls were taken. Okay, so already their minds have gone to a very bad place. Right, absolutely. This isn't like these girls. Sure. Yeah, they, they think they had to be abducted somehow. Wow, so he himself is getting a shotgun rather than getting the police involved? Uh, the police are looking, and, and they I just said the police. Yeah. Father was up there with a shotgun? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's huh. it's Texas, so everybody's okay. kind of got a gun, I guess. I don't think it's... <laughs> that just seems kind of like, wow. Yeah, I don't think they were like, yeah, keep watching, shoot the person. I, okay. I'm sure they didn't tell them about it. I, okay. don't, yeah, I don't know. But um, each of the girls' friends were called. Obviously, you're going to call the different friends. So yeah. you're like, you hey, know, have you talked to the girls at all? All of them said they heard nothing. Oh, it's like a worse nightmare. Yep. And with the police informed, the case was handed over to the youth division of the Fort Worth Police Department's Missing Persons Bureau. Okay. All right. So police initially believe the three ran away. So they're thinking it's a runaway case. Um, you know. It, but whole, without the car? Right. Uh, that's Maybe hitchhiking. Hitchhiking was a thing back then. Or maybe that was their plan. Yeah. Just leave the car and go take off. Like mm-hmm. have a friend pick you up. I don't know. Um but their families just said they couldn't see that happening. But yeah. Because the disappearance was labeled as a possible runaway, the case wasn't investigated as thoroughly as it should have. No. Why? Why do they do that? I don't know. It'd be like if, um, you know, Reese and her friends, like, oh, they probably ran away. It's like, no, they did not run away. Like, In the off chance that they didn't, how about we treat it like a real case? Let's just pursue it. Full steam. I mean, we're not going to say, oh, I wish we would have done less. Right? <laughs> yeah. You're never... Never going to say, please, no. I wish you would have oh, done that. Oh, that makes me crazy. Now, of course, police have limited resources, so they want to make sure they have the right. But I mean, yeah, but there's three girls. three girls. Yeah, that's a big deal. Absolutely. So 
Um, it wasn't investigated as thoroughly as it should have been for the first year. Pretty for much. the first year? Yeah. So um, I'm going to tell you some things that yeah would happen during that first year for sure. But um, that's this meant Mary's car wasn't processed for evidence and they didn't dust for fingerprints. What? So, so you're saying that because it could have potentially been a runaway... They just didn't touch the car. Right. I'm wondering if they're like, nah, you know what? Nah, they'll turn up. That's the only piece we had. They're gone. Right. The only have... thing we have is the car and the present in the car. Yeah. If we need, if we had more evidence, I get that. But maybe, right. actually, I don't even get that. Like, what, what's it going to hurt to no, fingerprint the car? No, you friggin' fingerprint the car. That's an afternoon of some dusting, right? Yeah. For, dust. I'll, I'll do it for you. I will volunteer and I will dust it. Yeah, just show me how to do it. Put me in a class. Takes and I'll a few do it. hours and we'll get it. Um, obviously, at this point in time, there was no CCTV footage at the mall. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 1974. It was kind of kind of far back. Um, the runaway theory gained some steam after Rachel's husband, Thomas, received a letter in the mail. Oh. The morning of December 24th, Christmas okay, Eve. Okay, so just the following day. Yep. It was in the mailbox and addressed to Thomas from Rachel. Okay. Here's what it said. I know I'm going to catch it, but we just had to get away. We're going to Houston. See you in about a week. The car is in Sears upper lot. Love, Rachel. Mm. Okay. So the letter was written on a sheet of paper that was a little wider than the envelope. So not something made for the envelope or anything. Mm -hmm. And the writing was like they called it childish scrawl. Um, So, you know, Rachel, she was like 17. But they said, you know, it could have still been her handwriting. Because obviously they probably could have walked over to her backpack and gotten a piece of paper that she had written on and compared it and had a handwriting analysis done. Yeah, for sure. And they did do handwriting analysis. Uh, turned up inconclusive. Oh. Which I, I don't get how it could be inconclusive. Unless she wrote it in haste. Right. There's thinking maybe somebody made her do it. Or right. And she whatever. was shaky, so it wasn't exact. Yep. Um, and the stamp on the envelope was canceled that same morning it arrived. So it was sent the day of their abduction. Wow. Yeah. Unless somebody was doing something screwy at the post office or whatever it was. Uh-huh. You don't even think I, I canceled the stamp. Like it was stamped like, hey, you can't use the stamp anymore because it's, okay, yeah, it's processed. Okay, yeah, it's processed. Yeah. So and then they got to look at and see, you know, where was it sent from? Right. So. Um, and is there DNA evidence on the envelope? Hence somebody licking it. Right. Right. That'd be the ideal situation there. But I don't think they had that in 1974. Yeah. I don't know when that started to happen. Yep. So, um yeah, there was one zip code. It was 76083 from what they identified. But the three was printed backwards. So they thought that maybe the last two numbers meant that it was hand-loaded on a stamp. So I guess like at that time when they canceled things, they'd like hand-load it with you know the numbers and be like, you okay, know, that's, I, I don't know. And if that was the case, then yeah, there's only a couple places that hand-stamp and have those numbers in them. And it was El- Eliasville or Throckmorton, Texas. Okay. Sorry if I'm saying those wrong. How far is that from Fort Worth? Um, near, I'm somewhat nearby. So a nearby town. Yeah, possible. Like anywhere nearby that could possibly send it and like still get there in the same day. Uh-huh, right. Um, however, others feel the final two numbers were meant to read 88, meaning it was postmarked in Weatherford, Texas. Okay. Also somewhat nearby. So um, both Rachel's mother and Thomas believe the letter wasn't written by her. Okay. And a parent is very familiar with what their kid's writing looks like. Now, it wasn't necessarily because of the writing. So they said the writing looked pretty close. The content? Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed like... Also, I'm going to tell you a little thing here. Um, Rachel um, affectionately called her husband Tommy, and the letter was addressed to Thomas A. Trelisa. Which she wouldn't have written it so formally. Right. Like, I've never called you Michael. Right. It'd be like to Michael L. Pernecki. Yeah. You're like, oh, you're, she calls me Mike. No, she would never call me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
which you know maybe she's just formally being like we're gone now but that's just really weird it's very out of character but also, the whole thing's out of character also if you're abducting people wouldn't you just be like what do you call him and then write it down there instead of thomas h release there's a lot of very stupid criminals yeah I mean, I guess. And maybe she wrote his name differently to try to send up the alarm bells. Yes, I agree. And, you know, she could have just lied and be like, I call him Thomas. Right. Yeah. Hmm. You know, a little clue. Oh, I was thinking the opposite, that she was really running away and she wanted to make it look like somebody was abducting them. Wouldn't you find it greatly weird if you received a letter from me and I called you Michael? Yeah, for sure. So that could be my way of saying something's wrong. And I'd like to think that I'd know for sure if it was your handwriting. I mean, I know your handwriting very well. Right. I know yours very well, too. Yeah. So I'd be like, well, that's her handwriting. But, you know, you can't say if they were forced to do it or not. No. Yeah, obviously. We wrote each other a lot of notes during high school. We did. A lot of racy lot. notes. I actually have the... No, we did not. We no, were very no racy. innocent and sweet. Yeah. Um, I actually have them all in a shoebox. Cute. Super cute. Yeah. So like I said, experts uh, looked at the handwriting and they proved inconclusive. At first they thought, yep, that's her. Then it said inconclusive. Like this whole like police work just generally seems like, you know, it was kind of kind of screwy all over the place. Now, can I ask you going back to the car, what happened to the car? Did it just go back into their possession and then the family started using it and then the fingerprints were just destroyed that's a great question i don't know and the evidence that could have been there is destroyed i I, think it's probably they went to use it i don't know for sure but i think they the family used it because obviously they didn't just keep it in the parking lot of the mall like a shrine right no it's gone i'm yeah i i don't know anything about it my question was was it something they could go back and check doesn't seem like it because they never mentioned that um yeah so the experts looked at the handwriting inconclusive and they're still unsure of the writer's identity or whether it was Rachel at all. Um, it was initially believed, like, like we said, Rachel was forced to write the letter. Um, but, you know, they've changed it and think that, oh, one thing, that the original loop in the L of Rachel um, appeared to be like a lowercase e. And then someone went back and changed it, like oh. a spelling error. So, But everyone would know Rachel ends Yeah, instead of Rachel. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Or maybe they're just like trying to get her like writing down and they're like, oh, accidentally two weeks. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So there was just uh, some things up in the air and like, I don't know, just doesn't seem like she would. Um, the letter remains the only piece of physical evidence investigators have in this case. Wow. When so they had a full-blown car to look at, but all we have right now is the letter. Yep. And when DNA technology was developed... Like you said, you uh-huh. asked about it was sent for testing, but no match was found to anyone in the police database nor the girls. Okay, so um, maybe it was somebody that didn't commit a crime, right? Yeah, yeah, and the, which is like most people, you know, I would guess. But when you're gonna go into a mall and take three children, you're likely going to have other offenses on record, right? You would think it's usually not a one-time thing. Yep. Um, at the time of the girls' disappearance, Rachel's sister Deborah was living with her and Thomas. All right. Thomas and Deborah had previously been engaged. Oh. <laughs> so. Wow. They were very rock solid and confident. Yeah. Because yeah. I wouldn't want somebody that you had previously been engaged to living with us. Yeah. And if you remember, Rachel's 17. So she's married? 22 is Thomas. Okay. Because so. when you said the husband and she called her husband, I'm like, I didn't want to yeah. question you, but I was like, yeah. Wow. That's young. But I guess back in 74, my grandma got married when she was 15. Well, that was like 1920. So 74 to like 1935. Yeah, I guess. Or whatever, but whatever your grandma is. But had she graduated high school? I don't know. I okay. Because it sometimes it's like, boom, graduate high school. I'm married. Or if you drop then. out at 16, then it's like, well, I'm, I know I want to marry you. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know what the but situation But that is very, was. very young. But definitely a weird situation. 
So And then this other woman lived with them? Yes. So it was Rachel's like, sister. Oh, Rachel's sister. Yeah, so this dude was engaged to wow. Deborah and then he you know, they split up and then he went got with her other wow. the chick's sister. Okay. Yeah. That's twisted. Makes an interesting Thanksgiving table. And they're all living together. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, right? So they stated it wasn't uncomfortable having the three of them living under the same roof. Like, I yeah, I don't believe question you. that. <laughs> like, I don't believe you. I don't believe <laughs> no, you. I don't. Um, some people in the Mosley, Wilson, and Arnold families believe that Deborah knows more about the disappearances than she's letting on. Well, let's hope not because that's a sister. Yeah, the sister of Rachel. Yeah. Um, they sent her a letter after an interview with uh, with her that was published in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram in 2000. In it, they asked her to divulge any information she might have and to fully cooperate with the Fort Worth Police Department and the FBI investigators. They also asked her to take a polygraph test. Okay. So there was people that were like, you know something about this. So what made them think she knew something about it? Because mm. really, I mean, if they simply went off to the mall and ran away or some guy or whoever took them how, how would she know anything about maybe it? this love connection i mean they're obviously just, there just had to be obvious reasons yeah. they're suspecting yeah it's just kind of like well i mean it was your sister obviously you're jealous of her who she's married to your ex fiance but did they get vibes off of her that made them suspicious that she knew more than she was leading on yeah it seems like it um now you can't just look at the circumstances and be like you know more right i think they're also so desperate because there was really no leads but yet they let the car go yeah well i mean they didn't have dna evidence at the time i don't know it's fingerprints i don't know um but deborah insists she knows nothing about their disappearance um she told the star telegram in 2000 i know rusty blames me i know he thinks i had something to do with it rusty thinks this letter that tommy got the next day he thinks i wrote it so he thinks the sister wrote it which is possible. I mean, you'd probably, I mean, if, if you're so close to your sister and living with her, you'd know her writing you know, very well. Why would she involve two other people that have nothing to do with it? That's the thing that I think throws everything out. I mean, when you live with somebody, you could slip some poison into their coffee. Why would you go out to a mall and involve two other girls? No, no reason to. So she said, I didn't write this letter. I don't know who did. I don't know what happened to my sister. Maybe white slavery. Oh. <laughs> that kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, maybe white slavery. Ooh. Um, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. I have nothing to hide. So, I mean, first of all, let's talk about white slavery. I mean, that slavery can happen no matter what color you are. Well, um, but I think course. she meant like human trafficking. Okay. Yeah. I don't is know. what I'm guessing. I don't know what, what she meant by white slavery. I so. didn't even know what trafficking was like 10 years ago. Yeah. I didn't either. Maybe 15 or whatever. Maybe it's like, five. what? That happens? Honestly, maybe five years ago for me. Maybe. For me. I don't, you know, it was, that was kind of new to me. I didn't, I mean, you know, you live in this like, naive world where it's like yeah you know, people wouldn't do that and like no absolutely they do yeah um so who knows but anyway she says she didn't do it okay so the free three families distributed missing person flyers across texas and contacted newspapers all over the country to spread awareness about the disappearances you know putting pictures wherever they could in newspapers and you know it gained some traction because it's just like three you know young girls have their whole life ahead of them and no leads like well, none and what's crazy is you know december 23rd that mall was hopping yeah so nobody saw them being taken or brought through the parking lot. Nobody saw that. That's kind of the thing. It's like, it's unbelievable. Like how? Like anything about anything, nothing. And then, but everybody's so busy too. Unless it's like, it was somebody they knew and they just calmly walked. Right. And then, you know, maybe you wouldn't be suspicious of that. Yep. Well, here's one thing. A store clerk came forward saying a woman had approached her to say she'd witnessed Renee, Rachel, and Julie being forced into a yellow pickup truck. 
parked by the buddy's grocery store at the mall on the day that they disappeared. Okay. So they're like, okay, well, let's let's find this lady and find out what she saw. Um, and this was also similar to a 1981 report from another witness who said she'd seen an unidentified male force a girl or girls into a van in the mall's parking lot. But not a yellow pickup truck. No. Um, which, I mean, you can kind of confuse them, I guess. Yeah, but yellow would be yeah, pretty, pretty obvious. Damning. Yeah, right. Um, when he'd approached the group, the man had told him it was a family dispute and to stay out of it. Mm. It's like, okay, fine. Uh, both stories have not been verified by police, and investigators were never able to find locate the woman who's spoken to the cashier. Oh. So that woman that said she saw the thing, they couldn't Just find her gone. anywhere. Yeah, like they basically put up things like, hey, please say something. Sure. Uh, obviously, it was posted to the news. If you are this person, please come forward. We need any information from anybody that saw something that they don't even think was important. Just come to us and tell us. Yeah, this is huge news in Fort Worth. Basically, everybody in Fort Worth knew about this. Yeah, and I'm sure they had like billboards up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All over. Um, even to this day. So uh, investigators interviewed a night watchman who was working at Alcon Laboratories just down the street from the Seminary South Shopping Center on the same night of the disappearances. And he saw a car containing three women and two men pulling into the building's driveway that night. Unfortunately, nothing came out of that lead either. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like time and time again that there's like, well, I might have saw something. And then they're like, nope, nothing. It's like it's kind of unbelievable. I don't know if who to blame in the situation but it's just a lot of like broken leads and unfortunate a series of unfortunate events that like nobody had concrete information yep another dude at a local bus depot a ticket agent said three girls asked about trips to houston and other destinations i mean that seems like a pretty good lead right there um the morning after renee rachel and julie disappeared but they said that information was unreliable okay so i don't know it's just like one thing after another after another it's like you would think this day and age obviously something like this happened you'd have like the credit card things and you know obviously pings of their cell phones and but nobody saw something suspicious in the parking lot because clearly they left in in some sort of vehicle right right you know but nobody happened to be there at the moment to see yeah so at this point they're like super desperate they're Mm -hmm. just like we got to figure something out. Let's try anything we can. So they go after the f- few weeks after the disappearances, the family's hired a well-known psychic. Oh, named okay. Jay Joseph. Now I'm not a believer of this like psychic stuff, but I'm like, I mean, if I'm getting in nowhere, like just try something. You're open to it. Yeah. Even if they come up with some bullshit and you know, it happens to be right, then okay, great. We got onto something like it. You know, if somebody believes that enough about this person, then we can go search the areas they're saying. Right. You know, at this point they're, they're up for anything. So, he offered his services free of charge, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and he donated money to a reward fund to help find the girls. Oh, that's nice. So he wasn't in it for the money. Right. Which is cool. Um, he told them he had a sense something was wrong with the letter, supposedly sent by Rachel. And he had a feeling that the trio had gone north toward Oklahoma or Illinois. Okay. And and I don't know if I put it in here or not, but there is other... Um, you know psychics that also said similar things like 60 percent of the psychics they talked to said they went like north okay so that that's weird uh he also said they were being held against their will and that dope is possibly involved <laughs> dope <laughs> now crack dope, is whack yeah dope could be uh, what weed or heroin i don't know back then what they considered to be dope was yeah. it just any kind of drug they Maybe. just called dope yeah i think so okay <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear we don't use that enough <laughs> no we don't hey babe you want to smoke some dope <laughs> <laughs> or like the kids come home acting weird are you on dope <laughs> tell me there's not dope in your backpack <laughs> tell me there's not dope dope <laughs> <laughs> oh boy so anyways sorry to laugh but um well, no I, that this story is, is obviously not funny it's but the, the word dope. dope it's the dope so just please people if you're listening don't try dope dope Any is form. bad dope is 
whack. It can ruin your life. Yeah, it really can. So while at the Arnold home, he said something like, if they ever saw him again, that it was a sign, or if they never saw him again, it was a sign the girls were deceased. Oh, no. The psychic. And they never spoke to him or saw him oh, again. Oh, no. I so. mean, who knows if that's accurate, but I don't like it anyway. Yeah, you don't want to hear that from no. a psychic as he's leaving yet. It's like, well, then I'll talk to you next week. Please, we'll <laughs> talk again. Yeah. No, he's not coming back. I mean, maybe that was his way of like get, eventually getting paid or something. I don't, I know. don't know. I don't think you would do that. I would hope you would not do that to a grief-stricken family. Right, right. So in 1975, a man claiming to be an acquaintance of Rachel's came forward to say he'd seen the three girls at a record store in the mall a few hours before they went missing. Well, that's just the thing. There had to have been plenty of people that saw them at the mall. Right. There was. And there was people, you know, I don't know if I go over this, but there was people in the stores that say, yeah, I kind of remember a girl. Um, you know, one of them even said the type of T-shirt one of them was wearing. And okay. they were like, yeah, that was and one. that fit the description. Yeah. So they were definitely in the mall. Okay. No doubt about it. Okay. So this guy's coming um, to the police a year after the fact. Yes. Um, and who knows how many months later. I mean, it was just Well, it was a December. It could have yeah. been February. It could have been a few months. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but he saw the girls at the record store in the mall. Uh, he noticed another individual at the group and he and Mary had spoken briefly. Okay. Okay. So um, really, they couldn't find anything else after that. He's like, just some dude. And he, no, I just saw somebody. That's all I remember. Um, that same year, women's clothes were found in Justin, Texas. Okay. Um, some raggedy clothes somewhere. Um, initially, they thought they might belong to one of the missing girls, but eventually they weren't That was related. just ruled out. Yep. Then six weeks after that. Um, oh, yeah. This is a, actually a big piece. Six weeks after that. the Six weeks after the girls disappeared at about 11 p.m. on the night of February 6th, uh, Mrs. J.W. Mosley, mother of Julie, received a telephone call. The caller was a girl. Okay. Mrs. Mosley later told the Star-Telegram that she believed that the girl was her daughter really yeah so here's how the call went uh, or here's what she said about it i'd be willing to swear it was her mrs mosley said she said that when she answered the telephone no one spoke to her at first in spite of the fact that she said hello several times so she's like hello 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 she's like you know when you like hear somebody there but there's like they're... yeah and obviously she's on pins and needles for every time the phone rings that it could potentially be her daughter or information leading to their daughter yes. whatever it might be you know just anything and then mrs mosley started to hang up and she heard a low moan and a girl say, Mama. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I asked, who is this? And Julie said, Mama, again. Oh, my Mrs. gosh. Mosley said. Mrs. Mosley, by then, was positive she was speaking with her daughter. You know, like, you would know. Yeah. Da- well, you know the, the tone of your child's voice. Even a moan. Even like a... Uh, like, you know, you know it. Because if they're in pain or whatever it is. You've like, raised them. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. Like, I know you would. Like, yeah, you would for 100%. 100,000% sure. Me, you know, maybe not so much. But um, I mean, you, I'd like to think so. I but, mean, I'd like to think so. But, but sometimes it could happen so fast. Yeah. So Mrs. Mosley by then, again, was positive she's speaking with her daughter. And she asked the caller, is this Julie, Julie Mosley? And the caller replied, yes. Oh. So she goes, listen, if this is someone playing a joke, please stop. I can't take any more. Mrs. Mosley told the caller. Uh, she said then she asked the caller where she was. And the girl said she did not know. Julie said mama once more and just started to say something else when the phone was hung up. Mrs. Mosley said. So then you got to wonder, was she being held somewhere and got free and long enough to make this call? Right. Because why would the captor let her call? Well, I picture the captor like holding her like down or something or just trying to prove that she's still alive. But or something. why? I don't know. Maybe play just games. to torture the yeah, family. That's what I'm thinking. 
Um, no other reason. Because, I mean, otherwise she'd be like, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. I don't know where I am. Like, you know. Right, if she had that moment yeah, to, exactly. to sp- freely speak. Or maybe she was like doped up on something. You yeah. Know, some kind of drugs of some sort. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yep. Um, and she said, I know there's a possibility someone's putting me on, but I'm positive that was Julie on the phone. At least I now know she is alive and that helps. But where is she? She said the girl wasn't speaking normally and she sounded either drugged or sick. Uh, it's very possible she was one of or both. Or yeah, maybe fed tons of alcohol and just like, you know, who knows? Yeah, could be anything. So the family's hired Private Dick John Swaim in 1975. Do we have to say Private Dick? I have it once more in this uh, oh this document. Gosh. So I, I think I'm not going to say Private Investigator anymore. Because, you know, we can say P.I. But I have the opportunity to say Private Dick. <laughs> then go for it. So they hired Private Dick John Swaim in 1975 because they were frustrated with how the police were handling the investigation thus far, obviously. Okay. I mean, they, they feel like they are kind of dicking around for about a year. Well, and just saying, hey, we assume they've run, run away. Or, right. So, like, right there, it's like, no. Right. So, this guy kind of got his crap together. He called a bunch of press conferences and forced the investigators to allow him to access the case files. So, I mean, they know somebody's actively working on this now. Which gives them that peace of mind, at least, that something's being done. Yep. And uh, in April 1975, Swaim, the investigator, traveled to Port Lavaca, Texas, L-A-V-A-C-A. Okay. Port Lavaca, Port Lavaca with a group of 100 volunteers to search under local bridges after a tip came in saying the girls' bodies had been dumped in the area. The only problem is the city had previously been searched by investigators. Okay. Because they had heard other tips of the same thing. Um, At that point, they uncovered nothing, and the same was true when Swain went to go search it as well. Um, In August of that year, a 28-year-old man was making a string of obscene phone calls in the area. Oh, jeez. So they're like, okay. Get a hobby, dude. Yeah, so I don't know. This guy's calling and saying sexual things to girls. They're like, Gross. maybe, you know, this this might be somebody that would take three girls. You know, who knows? Let's investigate them. Well, I mean, you could look at the um, sexual predator database, too. Sure. Yeah, of course. Those and are all... let's hope they did do that. Yeah. And yeah. say, were you at the mall that day? Right. Yeah, I, I I believe they would. I mean, I never looked into that. Okay, specific but regardless, they're yeah. looking at this twenty-eight-year-old guy that's being perverted on the phone. Yep, the same guy was working at a local store where Rachel had applied to work at one point. Okay, so there were some connections, and he also lived in the same neighborhood as Rachel. Okay, so clearly he could have easily been at the mall. Right, and unfortunately, nothing with the missing trio happened. But after investigating him, they found he'd been using this position at the store to collect information from young women. Um, and a total of six female applicants reported receiving crude phone calls from him. So, so he was getting their phone numbers on their applications and calling them specifically. Yeah, and then yeah. calling them, being like, "Oh, baby, yeah. oh, it's so gross." Can you imagine, like, if somebody called your daughter and like just started saying bad no. stuff? No, oh man, I'd want to find him right away and put an end to him. But unfortunately, again, nothing happened. Like all these stories are just going to be like, "Well, there was this lead, nothing happened." Well, there's this lead, nothing happened. It's just like so frustrating. It is. It's disheartening. I mean, imagine being the family in these situations. No, I can't. I can't imagine. In 1976, three skeletons were found in a field. Oh in, my! In Brazoria County, Texas, by an oil drilling crew. Swaim had the remains checked against x-rays and dental records, but they turned out to belong to a male and two females. Okay. Were they ever identified? No, that's the other thing. I'm to like, at least <laughs> solve some maybe. crime? I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't this one. So I looked into it and like, there was a lot of... Like, there's tons of information about this trio uh-huh. and it's just like yeah it, it's so many different directions that it's yeah if you go off if you include this trio in there it gives you information about this so um yeah so eventually all these different things he was looking for this this psychic nothing ever came out um eventually swaim died in 1979 
Okay. Of an apparent suicide. Oh my. Yeah, and and the uh, the word apparent makes me wonder. Right, if he was off. Somehow. Well, because he could be of you know leading investigators to the answer, and we don't want him to do that. Yeah, and then get this: upon his death, he requested all his records be destroyed, which kind of seems not like totally honest. Yeah, why would you want that? I don't know. So I don't. I, I mean, who did he have something to do with it? Who knows? It could have been that this he was killed and it was just written. I want all my records destroyed. <laughs> That's true. And uh, written out to Thomas Trelika, <laughs> Thomas H. Trelika or whatever. Um, yeah. So he, they, you know, all the things were contained. Any, so we never know if any of the files contain any legitimate information about the case. Uh, through the course of the search, the families involved had to deal with prank phone calls also. Can you that, imagine no. being such a piece of shit that you'd prank phone call? What is wrong with people? It's uh, they it, do, like, it blows my mind to think that somebody would get joy out of another family's absolute torture. Right, right. It's just like sickening. I can't imagine the be the kind that'd be like, oh, you know what? Why don't we call the, the families tonight and pretend that we're the girls or something or that we have the girls? That's so sick and twisted. Yeah, so they had to deal with that crap. Uh, Renee's parents had to buy another phone line because random people kept calling and claiming to be their missing daughter. That's really sad. Like, just some some people really suck sometimes. It's, it's not. It's it is disappointing that the human race could be so vicious. Right. Like these are fellow humans, and you're doing this, like knowing they're in their like worst times. Um, in 1999, Rachel's brother Rusty. So he seemed to be the one that kind of really pushed a lot of these searches and things. Uh, he was 11 when they went missing. Okay. But um, Rachel or uh, Rachel's brother Rusty contacted private investigator. Um, I'm going to say private investigator. So um, Rachel's brother was 11 when they went missing, and this is what year? 1999. Oh, so way after. Oh wow. So he's just like obsessed with trying to find his well, sister. Of course. Like, Where, what happened to her? Yeah, he she missed just out on everything. Goes Christmas shopping, never to return, and that's end of story. Yeah, and probably looked up to her and everything. It's horrible. Yeah. So he contacted another private investigator, Dan James, to help further the investigation. They looked into several witness sightings of Rachel and Renee at stores and a gas station in the days following their disappearances and additional reports that Rachel had been seen in Fort Worth area during the Christmas seasons. So some people might be like, hey, I think I saw somebody look like Rachel because they put up pictures, even advanced pictures sure. of saying what they might look like. You know how they do that. Like, sure. you know, they're 50 now. Here's what they would look like. Um, and people, you know, and it, it's constantly talked about in fort worth like uh, people like you go to fort worth and mention it everybody knows because it. it's such a mystery right exactly and you know it's not just one person that went missing it's three yep in a very busy shopping mall yeah and just like unbelievable like and everybody's like maybe i know you know maybe i can crack something or well especially if you were there that day you would think like maybe i saw something yep so you know both rusty and uh dan james they think that renee and julie are deceased Really? Uh, yeah. Um, but they cite the recent witness sightings as evidence Rachel is likely still alive. Really? Yeah. Which, why would she be spared? Uh, they think someone or some people are keeping her away from her family, and they just refuse to share any evidence that they have to support that claim. Huh. So they, they have something that they think that for, but they're not really sharing. Interesting. Because I guess they don't want it to get out and possibly find, you know, get out to these people that they're, they're on to them or uh-huh. something. Um. In December 1999, James offered a 25 grand reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the possible the responsible people responsible for the girls' disappearances. And he's also one of the sponsors of a website that's no longer up. Like it just went down recently, uh, missingtrio.com. So don't even go there. But okay. um, when it was active, it had updated information about what's the latest uh-huh. in the case and everything. 
And um, he actually has a, a Facebook site now. So if you look at the Fort Worth trio on Facebook, there's a group you can you can join and try to find them. Um, now, he offered the money from his own savings and said he's never received any compensation for any of the work he's put into the investigation. Uh-huh. So he's just somebody that's interested in finding the right people. Sure. And be like, all right, you know, this is something. Right. Um, so this investigator, James, he said he's received death threats from anonymous callers warning him to remove himself from the investigation. Okay. Which is weird. Right, because <laughs> if you had nothing to do with it, why would you possibly do that? Unless it was the whole thing like the prank calls. But then why would you like kind of indict yourself or you know, be, want to be looked at? Potentially be looked at. Yeah, right. And then the, let's say there's an off chance that your DNA was somewhere or something and all of a sudden yeah, you're Yeah, why would you possibly want to insert yourself in something you, you have nothing to do with? I mean, I guess the brightest people aren't probably doing this, but... no. Yeah, um, but maybe he was getting close. Who knows? Um, the case was officially reopened by investigators in January 2001, so I guess it was closed for a while. Uh, a few months later, in April, they held a press conference where they shared they'd interviewed at least 20 new witnesses who'd seen the girls at the mall on the afternoon of December 23rd, Like, where were these people? I don't know. For the past how many years? Um, A lot. So 2001 to 1974, so 25, 26, 27 years. Uh, they also shared that they narrowed down the possible suspect list to just five individuals. Wow. So that, okay, so that was 2001. Yeah. Well, now we're in 2022. We sure where, are. where are we now? Well, the same month, the former Fort Worth policeman and security guard at the, um, uh, uh, the Sears outlet approached a news station with information regarding the case. He claimed to have seen three girls and a young male security guard inside a pickup truck at about 1130 on the evening of the disappearances. The girls appeared relaxed and were in the, in the vehicle willingly, laughing and exchanging words before the security guard drove them away with the truck. Uh, when they left, the youngest girl was sitting next to the driver, the second oldest was in the middle, and the oldest was next to the passenger side door. So he like saw them, and they were just like, ah, giggling. And Which you can't imagine why they would be giggling and relaxed at 11.30 p.m. when they were supposed to be home at 4 p.m., Right. Like, why wouldn't they be stressed? Right. Because she had a, um, Rachel had a party to go to. Yeah. And they're with this little girl, too. It's yeah. Just you're, like, you you said you were taking this nine-year-old to the mall and that you were going to be responsible. Her mom said, I'd like you home by four. You know, would it, would it be like her to just be giggling in the back of a truck at 1130 p.m.? Yeah. Like, it doesn't really add up. No. Right. So... Especially if you're a responsible person. Yep. If I told somebody I would have a nine-year-old home at 4 p.m., I certainly wouldn't be laughing in the backseat of a car, you know, no. seven hours later. Right. Unless you're just a, a complete idiot. Yeah. Whatever. Just a fla- you know, flaky person. Flaky, right. And I guess some And there are definitely teenagers. people, and again, teenagers, like you say, that you could say, oh, I could totally see them doing it. It like, depends on their personality. Maybe if it was they me, they the, would say no. Maybe they think the security guard's cute and whatever, and they want to be like, oh, let's go have some fun. Don't you worry. You know, but it's the fine. one was married and the other was nine, and then we're dealing with a 14-year-old. <laughs> right. So it seems like odd logistics. Yeah, it doesn't really add up. So according to the witness, he contacted police just a few days after word spread of the girl's disappearances, but investigators failed to follow up with his information until 2001. <sighs> So. I'm, I'm thoroughly confused, especially because you're like, they were desperate. They were looking in every avenue. Well, but the yet family was. Not... Right? Oh, okay. So these okay. people contacted the police, and the police did nothing. That's amazing. Right. Amazingly Amazingly terrible. horrible. Mm-hmm. It's mind-boggling to me how, how, how you wouldn't follow up on that. 
So and it just seems like it's it reeks of botched like police work, basically. But left, right, and center. Yeah. It's not like, oh, we forgot to process the car or whatever. No, you're like deliberately not looking into leads. Right. Almost like somebody purposely well, like you wonder it why yeah uh, when approached by the media investigators said they located the security guard seen with the girls but that he denied they were in his vehicle that evening so they said they said oh. that they found him and they asked him but nobody well, really knows for sure why would he say yeah yeah i had him mm-hmm. or maybe they never even talked to the guy who knows who knows um over the years the families had to deal with a bunch of claims that their bodies had been located unfortunately none of the claims were right um, investigators also searched through state medical records in New Mexico for unidentified females, but no luck. Um, they had their dentals and DNA available in case they ever find remains. Um, in September 2018, Rusty, with the help of Texas EquiSearch, some group, organized an effort to raise two submerged cars out of Benbrook Lake. Okay. Which is a nearby lake. It was believed the cars were connected to the case. How did they find the cars? I'll tell you. So... A GoFundMe campaign was set up to pay for divers um, from North Texas Marine Salvage salvage, and the equipment needed for the job. So why do you want to search the lake? They found out there was a guy who lived five miles from the mall. Okay. And his vehicle went missing in the mid-70s. So oh. they're thinking, okay, this guy didn't have a car anymore. It went uh-huh. missing. Where, where is it? Right. Like, where would he put it? So they looked around and found that there was cars in this lake. So how did they know this guy's car went missing? Um, they just, they're, again, desperate and just looking for any possible, like, okay, well, this guy had a car. It's unreported that he hasn't checked it back into, you know, whatever. And they were getting this information via some sort of reports? Yeah, and just looking through, or just, like, looking through records. And okay, things, so records. just really anything that could possibly exactly. be tied. Like, anything, like, they just need one lead that'll sure, get them, absolutely. You know? So the lake is, in, you know, for, of course, GoFundMe was involved, so they put together a nice story, and people are like, yeah, I want to be part of this I well want to everyone to wants girls. to solve this yeah they just want closure yeah absolutely at this point you know and it's it's so hard to get so um yeah the guy lived five miles from the mall and the lake is about eight miles from the shopping center but investigators didn't believe there to be enough evidence to warrant a search which spurred rusty to organize his own search effort okay so obviously no no surprise the investigators didn't think it was worth it so my goodness <laughs> it's like they've just written it off like they've the spent get-go. hundreds of thousands on this basically um, the first car was pulled on September 22nd, 2018, and the second one on October 13th, 2018. Five scientists were brought in to analyze them, but neither determined to be related to the case. Their VIN numbers were collected in case they're connected to the other unsolved cases in the area, but nothing came out. Isn't that up. crazy? There's just like cars in a lake. Yeah. And there was another one in there too, but it was just so broken down that um, they couldn't even pull it out. I guess it was really sharp and they just didn't want to. Uh-huh. Yeah, risk it. So um, Crime Stoppers issued a $1,000 reward for information leading to the resolution of the case. So there's tons of reward money out there. Uh-huh. Um, and just like looking for something. It's so hard, though, as the years go by. Yep. Um, and Rusty once received a call from a young woman claiming to be Julie. She contacted him over skepticism over her upbringing. Like she basically, you know, she was brought up and being like, I don't think these are my parents. And then she saw a picture of who she thought was Julie in the paper. And she's like, that kind of looks like me. Like, am I this child? At that is nine gone? years old, I'm confused. Well, you know, maybe you, you know how like some uh, memories are fuzzy back then. And people kind of. But at nine, it, Reese is 10, our daughter is 10. Yeah. Like if two people took her and said, we're your mom and dad. Right. She'd be like, um, no, you're not. <laughs> right. But if, I don't know, like, you know how the, um, whatever, like group think. 
you know how that works like you're with the same people over and over for a long enough no mm, no like you had that story about what's her name they ended up beating that girl down yeah and i get that that you can start to believe things but not who your mom and dad is yeah i don't know so maybe I, she just i don't know yeah it, may- maybe it's possible i'm certainly not a psychologist right so so she saw a picture of julie online and tracked down rusty after seeing her picture both he and julie's mother thought it was possible she was missing girl. oh my gosh but a dna test came back negative damn it yep according to investigators last time they had a lead was in 2001 when they collected dna evidence due to the active nature of the investigation investigation the results have not been shared with the public it's their belief the girls left the shopping center with someone they trusted and met with foul play that's what i'm thinking that they calmly walked out with somebody they trusted hence nobody recognizing anything amiss because it's one thing to grab one nine-year-old but to get a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 9-year-old out to a vehicle or wherever without showing signs is pretty impossible. Yep. So I have a feeling it was definitely somebody they knew. So then the next question is, obviously, everybody who knew the family and these girls were extensively interviewed, yes. correct? Yep. Where were you December 23rd at blah, blah, blah time? Yep. And they all had you know decent stories. All the men and the relationships and everything, they were all in- investigated. How well? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we can trust this, this force well, very much. I, I, yeah, maybe we can, maybe we can't. Nothing. We don't know. Well, the proof is in the pudding. Yep. And And the pudding is rancid. One last piece of the story here that kind of pisses me off, which kind of gives you an indication of how this whole thing went. Um, You know, not a lot of details were given out about the investigation, which frustrated the families. Of course. So you need that communication. A hundred percent. This family is, these families are suffering. But at the same time, you don't want to you know forego the case in case you're onto somebody. Yeah, I get that. But at least say something. Yep. Richard Wilson claims that he's been lied to about potential searches in the case. Like, hey, we're searching and then they didn't? Correct. Not cool. In one story, he said he'd been told by officers that they're going to look into a lead, that the trio's bodies were at the bottoms of a well in Alito, Texas. Okay. So Richard's like, you know what? I'm going to follow him. I want to see that this is happening. <laughs> so Richard decided to follow the officers. but Like f- unbeknownst to them? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So he found they only went to a Paris coffee shop on the near south side. Oh, my gosh. Before they returned to the station and called the family to say nothing had been found. What? Yeah. That, now, that's just a story that it was in a, in a magazine by Rachel or Richard Wilson. So I don't know how accurate or whatever, but you got to take him for what he says. Oh, my gosh. I am livid. Absolutely. So How they, could you do th- My question is why? Right. Are you lazy or is are you just somebody you work with is involved in this? And also at that point you'd be like you go to the news, like go to every single station and be like I just followed these and then try to get them in another one. See, you know? I just can't wrap my head around why. Why it wasn't investigated more. Maybe just some lazy, you know, police You know, work, and it, uh, it could be or there could be something a little bit more sinister, a lot more sinister going on. Like some one of their up. own. Right. And they don't want to is get involved, in right. and you. I, I've heard plenty of true crime pro- podcasts like that. That Have it was you? somebody in the police force that was involved, and we just don't look. That thin blue line doesn't want to be crossed. It's, yeah, uh, and it's really hard to believe that that these things happen. But sadly, 
there's a lot of corruption. You know, a good cop when you, they've they've turned in other cops for being bad cops. Y- you know, and you, you can't just, just keep quiet. You being, can't. being being quiet is staying complicit in their badness and letting it happen. Yes. So you have to report if you're a cop. You got to report bad cops. Yeah. And you know, I know there was the whole debacle about you know the police and this and that. There's plenty of good policemen. Yeah. Most. Most. Yeah. Most. It's the bad apples that you know Spoil give the, the bad. Of, yeah. Exactly. The yep. bad rap. Yep. So thousands of leads have been investigated, dozens of searches, and you know, coming uh, through Texas, all over the place, and you know, nothing, nothing. Um, so this the same situation. So um, not only do we not know who took them, where they took them, there's no bodies, just nothing. Yep, nothing, nothing. Currently, all three cases are classified as non-family abductions. If they're alive, Renee would be 62. Uh. Rachel, 65, and Julie, 58. So tragic for these families to just never know where their children got to. And there's so many cases like this. And, you know, obviously, I've done the case of um, Aisha Degree where she went missing. But at least they had two eyewitnesses that saw her walking down the road. What happened after there, you know, it's a mystery, but... At least they know that she left the house and she was heading in this direction. In this case, they just poof vanish. Right, like, like no, into no thin solid air anyway. and no, nothing. So frustrating. So at least like you can't blame anybody. Even it's just like, I mean, somebody is responsible for this. Right. Somebody did something to them. Right. And so I'm going to post. Who we don't know, but you know they're out there. If you were near Fort Worth, you know somebody that was. I'm going to post all the information and yeah. on our show notes and everything. So. Yeah, missing um, stories are just very frustrating. It is super frustrating, and I'm sorry. I know it's it's like, man, I want a good ending to this here. You know, but. and you can't even imagine if we're frustrated. You know, wrap your head around what those fam the family members must yeah, be going we're through. About one one hundredth of what they're feeling, especially when you don't feel like due justice was done in terms of the search. Yeah, and then you start pointing fingers too, and, and that you're like, that just desperate that doubly makes it worse because you feel like no one's helping you, right? And that your your daughters were just f- forgotten. Yep, out there somewhere, wishing that they had you and stuff. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So, and there, I know there's been some recent ones that have been solved, like after 40 years or something. Well, so. sure, because DNA technology and all the you know stuff changes. But the problem is that I hear in a lot of stories is that the evidence wasn't maintained well. Oh, there was a flood there. Oh, there was a fire there. Oh, it disappeared. It's gone. It's not there anymore. Yeah, uh, it's hard to keep every single evidence of every single case. It is. Ever. It but is something but this big. You would something think. yeah yeah so it's sad yeah well if you know anything about it then you know please um you know let somebody know we'll post in the show notes but hey thank you so much for listening um i even wore my shirt that i got some grease on earlier and i covered it up with my pillow so i'm yeah, feeling pretty good about you that you couldn't even take it to upon yourself to change could you well i wore some khakis here i look very professional I'd senator say. business senator business i put my my gym shorts off and pulled on some khakis <laughs> and as soon as this is done i'm gonna pull them back off and put on the gym shorts so <laughs> it'll be fun yeah. Um, but hey, anyway, thanks. thank you so much for being here. And until next time when I'm up, we'll be back. Right. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. 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 Cheers. Bye. Bye. Okay. Nobody wants to hear that. All right. Now for real. Bye. Bye.